Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Owen Jones, and this is the Cheerful Election Daily. All right, there's three days left until the general election. What a rollercoaster we've been on together. It really has been... Wow. Something else. Um, So, this is going to be brief. If you hear noise in the background, it's because we've got some friends around to watch Die Hard, which is a Christmas film, despite the controversy raging over that particular issue. One of the many, I would say, issues that have polarised this nation. I think Die Hard was the first big divisive issue which just spiraled out of control. And Brexit, if anything, was the logical conclusion. Not the weirdest thing I've ever said, but still weird. So um, today, which is your yesterday, uh, I was in Southampton and I went there with Keir Starmer. Keir Starmer is funny because my cat's called Keir. uh, And some people sometimes ask, did you name after Keir Starmer? No, Uh, they were both named after Keir Hardy, the first leader of the Labour Party. Uh, The other cat's called Rickman after Alan Rickman. But anyway, enough of all that. Not that relevant. So I caught up with Keir Starmer, who's the, as I'm sure many of you know, the Shadow Brexit Secretary, and also with Laura Parker, who is the National Organiser Momentum. I think I've got a job title right, often on television, dropping truth bombs like there is no tomorrow. And I want to chat to them about where the campaign's at and what people need to do. And Southampton Itchen, just so you know, it's the most marginal Tory seat. I think it's a 31 uh, majority for the Tories last time. Slightly, it's, it's, it's more Levy than Remain seat. Um, and that's obviously a big challenge for Labour because it's Leave voters who are, are those who are least likely to be now currently voting Labour, whilst Remainers are more likely to have come back. So I'm going to let you hear my chat with Keir in Southampton and then with Laura Parker on the train. Listen in. So I'm with Keir Starmer. Keir, where are we? We're in Southampton, Itchen, where we lost by 31 last time and we're doing everything we can to win it this time. You've been travelling all over the country now. Tell me, what, what have you seen on the ground during this election? What's kind of struck you? The first thing that's really, really struck me, I think this is the 42nd or 43rd constituencies, the, the sheer numbers and positivity and energy of the Labour teams that are out there. Um, I was a bit worried at a midwinter election uh, whether we would match the numbers of 2017. The numbers coming out, we've done even better. And that's in the rain, the wind, you know, the ice, in the dark. So there's no doubting the sort of strength of feeling that things have really got to change in this country. Now, you're shadow Brexit secretary, yeah. hoping in a few days to be the Brexit secretary. I hope by this time next week, I'm actually over in Brussels negotiating that deal uh, that we can put in a referendum. But this is really tricky for Labour because the Tories wanted this to be the Brexit election. So firstly, has it been a Brexit election? But secondly, this Labour represents people who are very remain focused and support remain very passionately. And others who support Leave very, very ardently. What do you think Labour have managed to keep that coalition together, not least in the North and the Midlands yeah. where things are particularly challenging at the moment? I mean, what I'd say is this look, 
I don't think there's any such thing as a Brexit election. In the end, all elections are general. They're about everything. And more people have talked to me about the health service, public services, etc., than talk to me about Brexit. And when I go to the doorstep, you'd expect them to talk about Brexit. The second thing is, on, on this trying to chase leave votes, remain votes, I don't actually think that's what it's about. When I've been talking to people which voted either way, the simple um, conversation that I try to get across is this. Look, um, it's busted. Politicians have not been able to move this on for three and a half years. We need to break the impasse and move on to other things. And the only way to do that is to take the decision away from politicians and give it to people and give them a choice, um, a decent Brexit deal that we can leave on or remain. Um, and to make clear to people, we'll do that within six months and we will implement whatever they decide. And quite a lot of people say that seems to be a fair enough way out of this. And I quite like the idea that I'm going to get the choice on this, on the final say, the final sign off, call it what you like. Why do you think it's young people who disproportionately flock to Labour? That's not actually a phenomenon that's always happened. In 1983, it's actually when a big majority of 18 to 24-year-olds. If we look today, yeah. we're in a huge crowd here in Southampton, Itchin, lots of young people, including people who've never knocked on a door before, and that's where Labour disproportionately gained its biggest support. Why? What's happening? I think there's a number of reasons uh, for that. Firstly, young people have been left out of the equation for too long by too many governments, um, and I think young people... Uh, need and deserve to be listened to and they want to be listened to. Second thing is young people by their nature are full of hope, they want things to change um, and that is what Labour is offering them. Not many people say oh look let's keep things much as they are. People want things to change. More of the same please. Yeah I mean nobody's saying you know, nobody's saying look the health service isn't really working very well I really like the fact I have to wait <laughs> ages for an appointment with my GP. People definitely want change young people more than anyone and so I think it's fantastic that they are registering to vote um, and that by and large they they want to support the Labour Party. Lastly, a lot of people now, they, when they're listening to this, it's three days to go into yeah. the election. A lot of people will be like, oh, the scale of the challenge, so many odds stacked against this. What do you tell them to do? What's their, what, what, what people listening to this who want to do something but they're not sure? This is swirling around all over the place. Um, I'd say this, huge numbers across the country of people have not made their mind up yet about Thursday. Um, they're weighing it in the balance and they know this is, this is massive. This is about what sort of society we're going to live in, what their future is going to look like. So all of those undecideds are going to have to decide by Thursday. Our job is to get to as many of them as possible and say that, you know, you can make a real difference. We can do far better than this. And frankly, after 10 years of a Tory government, it's embarrassing that we've got homelessness, that we've got a housing crisis, that we've got mental health provision that isn't where it, were, where it should be and, and a health service that is not functioning as people want it to function. We can change it, we should change it and everybody who can go out and um, either vote to change it or persuade somebody else to vote to change it is going to make history. Cheers, Key. Nice one. Good to see you. So, Glover Parker from Momentum, why is it so noisy? Where are we? We're on a train on our way back into London. From where? From Southampton, itching from a fantastic unseat event. Do you think it's possible to say it was bitching and itching, or do you think people find that really cringe? I think they find it really cringe, but I think we could say it all the same. It was bitching and itching. <laughs> so, right, there is now, where people are listening, there are now three days left. So just tell me, because I... I the no, last... there are four full days left. Because there's all of Monday, all of Tuesday, all of Wednesday, and all of Thursday. Your optimism shines through, as always, which I like because it is called the Cheerful Election Daily. So that is consistent with the overall theme of the podcast. So um, it's been a roller coaster. So uh, one of the episodes, not the last episode, the other episode I did was in Momentum HQ, and I chatted to people across there. But what, tell me a bit, you know, about what Momentum are doing. But let's just talk about the kind of 
the ground game and what kind of role do you think it's had? What what does it? Because a lot of people go, it doesn't really matter how people just made up their minds anyway. Do you think some scamp turning up on their doorstep is possibly going to change their minds? Why are we doing this? Why are we spending so much of time? Why do I have a stress headache? We are doing it because it does matter. Because there are lots and lots of people who don't get the chance to engage with politics because you know they're just busy normal lives kids football matches bins to put out elderly parents to look after homework to oversee or homework to do um and there's other people who maybe just don't think they're that interested and there is something about someone having the courage to pitch up on your doorstep and strike up a conversation which really does engage people not all people you know some people aren't that interested but we're doing it because it's one of the ways that we can get beyond the you know beyond the big wall is just like, piled up against us the right wing media the increasingly biased uh, broadcast as well as just the print media 30 40 years of soggy neoliberal politics you know there's there aren't that many options for us we just need to ha- have the chance to have a face to face conversation so i think it is really important and it's also a massive distinguishing feature between us and all the other parties like we have people we probably had more people in bitchin southampton itchin today in that uh, church hall that we were in in a majority that's 31 in a majority that's 31 with a very nice uh, school teacher candidate who we've got to get elected Sammy Letts. thank you we probably had more people there in that room than the tories have got activists with functioning pulses. So it's also energising for us. It's part of our politics, isn't it? Ours is the politics of sort of hope and ambition, but it's also the politics of solidarity. We come together to do our politics. We're not embarrassed about our politics. We're actually proud to be in a room together. We're proud to kind of cheer people who are speaking. We're proud in a way to be angry together. Ours isn't the sloping off on my own to the ballot box and just sneakily voting Tory, because actually I know it might be the wrong thing to do, but I'll be a little bit richer. So I think there's something about our politics, which means that we also believe in collective action and canvassing is just a big collective conversation. So, Laura, you do quite a fair bit of broadcast, flying the red flag. Some some videos have gone pretty viral of your <laughs> mic drop moments. So, what I was going to... I mean, look, I know sometimes people go, when we talk about the BBC and start being critical, people go, roll the eyes, oh, here we go again. But... Yeah. It has been quite astonishing, I think. What do you think? I mean, because look, we express the right wing press acts as a campaigning arm of the Conservative Party, and they have got this campaign in a, even by their standards, quite ludicrous North Korea style way. But BBC's been interesting. Yeah, it's true. And that's the bit I found most depressing, because to be honest, we expect the print papers to be as they are. What we don't expect is to find that there's. I don't know, no left-wing commentator on the sofa doing the paper review. Not one doing the Mar paper review in the campaign, not one on question time. Yeah, and then I think there's also... You know, I know that every time I go into a studio, I can feel, and in fact, people frequently say, ooh, you're not what I expected. And I think, what's this assumption that you've already made before? And, you know... There's a sort of backhanded compliment somewhere in there that I'm not literally wielding a hammer and a sickle. But the bias that is just inbuilt into people's assumptions about how we are. So I turn up and I'm smiley and polite and optimistic. 
but then that's what we've seen in every single canvassing stop that we've done and you've done hundreds in this election and yet somehow everyone has bought into the notion that we are something else as people and then it's little things about language so the one that really struck me the other day listening to the Today programme twice our spending plans were described by a correspondent as free stuff and the same correspondent described the Tory spending plans as spending plans now, I'm not suggesting that that one sentence is going to change the election, but it, there's a drip, drip, and it seeps into people's sort of subconsciousness. I mean, if we look at the people who can't manage the economy, it's clearly the Tories. Yeah, I mean, just an example, on the BBC News website yesterday, the main story was just quoting Boris Johnson saying we must find out the source of the leaked NHS documents. Now, the British government is sitting on a report into Russian interference in British democracy. That surely should be front-page news, but instead it's about scandalous papers exposing trade negotiations which threaten the NHS. Yeah, yes, and this is another of the problems that we've got, is that I think there is now an increasing tendency to make the story about the story. And Johnson, of course, this is his entire strategy. He wants us to talk about the fact that he ruffles his hair, is rude, doesn't turn up to debates. He wants the debate to be about him not being at the debate. He doesn't want the debate to be the substantive discussion. And so by playing into all of this, like, where do the papers come from? No, what's written in the papers? And then some things which have just been ignored, I mean... The, the, I think, quite frankly offensive, in fact, much beyond that, like, hurtful way in which the father of the young man who was murdered has been pretty much ignored. So he spoke out, he said Boris Johnson was lying and accused Boris Johnson. So we're talking about Jack Murray, Darling yeah. the Bridge Attack, who works, he's dedicated his young life uh, focusing on rehabilitation. And his family spoke out about that was his obviously passionate politics. Boris Johnson tried to use that to push the desk, to push punitive, you know, well, to election it. So, so the father, David Merritt, said uh, that they were uh, abusing uh, the, his dead child for political capital. Exactly, which... Abusing his death. Which is an extraordinary... You know, look, I mean, let's just think about this. I mean, it, was, it made the independent, that was it. I, I just think, imagine there was a terrorist attack and yeah. a victim father accused Jeremy Corbyn in those terms. Oh, that would be it for a week. Yeah. That would be it for a week. Mm. So I think it's a combination of things. It's the people who aren't invited on the show. It's the omission of reporting. And then it's also the language that's used in a fairly drip, drip, drip way. Um, and, you know, that something will have to be done about this because we're supposed to have public broadcasting standards and it's supposed to be a public service. I mean, it is supposed to be news, at least some of it. And if it's comment, it's the people who are asked to comment that can label it as comment, not the not the correspondents. But then look at the revolving door, you know, Gib into Downing Street. Gito Harry yesterday, who I was on election cast with, who was a BBC uh, reporter for many years and now, you know, then went to work for Boris Johnson. The revolving door, Boris Johnson's... Uh Boris Johnson, that was Keto, you're right. Uh, David Cameron's head of communications. Yeah. Uh, whether it be Theresa May, Robbie Gibbs, who's yeah. in charge of the exactly. politics coverage, like, like the daily politics. Uh, George Osborne hired Thea Dickens, uh, Thea, well, I've forgotten her name, but she was Thea Rogers. Anyway, she was hired from the BBC as well. Exactly. So, you know, it's worrying, but this is another reason why what we're doing is so important because we're finding a way of getting beyond that. Obviously, also what we're doing online is really important. Mm -hmm because we are giving people a chance to hear something different and our videos are reaching literally millions. How many, how many millions have watched them? Well, we've had 58 million views 
And the calculation a few days ago was, I think it was 14 million individual people. That's quite a lot, isn't it? That is quite a few, yeah. We had one week where we had 16 million views. Wow. Which, as I pointed out to my team, who just think that I'm an old granny, is five times more than listen to the archers. <laughs> Finally, and you're actually sitting next to an American, which is I a am. bit of a weird way to just throw that in, but there's been quite a lot of international help solidarity. Yeah, it's been fantastic, really fantastic. At the beginning of, well, just when we thought we were going to go into an election period, had a couple of fantastic people over from the States, a woman called Becky Bond. And a she guy, worked on Bernie Sanders' she, campaign in 2016. Yeah. And a bloke called Joe Beardsmore, who's actually uh, British, but lives in the States. They came over and... and he was in the last podcast. Oh, the t- oh t- for last from one. Right, really, really lovely people. They did some training. He works on Medicare for, uh, for all their, with US trade unions. Yeah, and the National Nurses Union. Yeah. And, and they really helped us think through the systems that we could set up in order that we could take our campaign to a much bigger scale because it has been bigger than 2017 which is amazing so we've had quite a lot of support from them we've had a team of Austrian volunteers in their office Uh, we've actually translated a number of our videos with the help of kind of comrades and partners from a number of countries our voter registration videos have been translated into nine or ten different languages so that's been fantastic Um, the other day I went in the office and we've got an Italian woman who's come to work for us because people are really inspired by what we're doing and what we're doing is so important for people well beyond the UK so there's a lot of cooperation and I think you know that's going to carry on nice one though cheers thank you very much sweet cheers everyone thanks for that so there are three days left come on we've all got to do our bit now I'm going to stop going I, I, I know before I've been doing I'd be nice if you did it it would be helpful to guys come on We're facing national catastrophe, social destruction. Five years of Boris Johnson and some of the worst people in this country uh, having power to do what they want for five years. You can stop that. Please do something. Knock on doors in your local area. Uh, Just talk to everyone you know. If you're young, get every... Not just if you're young, but we need young voters in particular to come out and vote. Um, I will be tonight in Putney, 6.30. The polling suggests that Labour can win Putney uh, from the Conservatives. Their majority went from 10,500 to one... Sorry, 10,000 to 1,500 last time. And you can meet me at Southfield Station at 6.30. Please do come. It's very, 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 very important. I'll keep saying that. Um, But it is the last lap. We are up against some pretty catastrophically terrible people. But we also have something hopeful to fight for. And that is important. So uh, it's been a pleasure. I will catch up with you tomorrow. And uh, thank you for tuning in as ever. And all my love. Take care. Bye bye. Election Daily is produced by the cheerful team, including Jeff Lloyd, Emma Corsham, Joe Kenyon and Joel Pierce, with music from Pete Frazier. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.